we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Hey, it's good to see all those that are in the house. Again, those down there at the True Worth, now the bridge scattered all across the campus there, over there in downtown Fort Worth. We are so glad that new friends are joining us there. Man, I hope you come in out of the cold. Uh, come out, uh, get you a cup of coffee this morning, just experience God's presence this morning. Again, all the folks down at the night shelter, we are just humbled that you allow us to be a part of your spiritual journey. We, we really are. And I, I'm appreciative of those that are in the sanctuary who continue to choose that over there to make room here in the ark. And I know so many of you have not yet come back and you're still joining us online. I want to welcome some of our friends who are worshiping with us this morning from Alaska. I know we have some from Florida. Uh, we have a family, some families up in Ohio and some in Oklahoma. Uh, just a word to all of you, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you're in the house right here this morning in this very room, uh, thank you for coming back or thank you for joining us. We would love to connect with you. Go ahead and have a seat, Kim. I'm sorry, have a seat here. Um, uh, I'm going to introduce Kim to you here in just a moment. We're doing something a little different, everyone, this, this morning. Uh, we're in the second week of a message series uh, that we're calling Six Feet Apart. And what we're doing is talking about relationships. And we're exploring this morning the, the concept of boundaries and how important boundaries are. And, and Kim right here is, I guess, would kind of a, an expert in this regard. And so we've invited her in. So let me kind of give you a little bit of credentials uh, for her so you kind of understand something about Kim. Besides being a good friend of mine and this church, uh, she is a licensed uh, clinical social worker. Uh, she is a licensed chemical dependency counselor. Uh, she is certified in eye movement and desensitization and the processing of that. Uh, she is an EMDR therapist. Uh, she is trained in uh, lo a love and logic facilitator, uh, critical incident management. She has worked in acute care in psychiatric hospitals and residential hospitals. Uh, she has served in, in private counseling, but also in working in large group situations. She served as an adjunct professor at TCU and at UTA. She is currently the, criti the critical care uh, mental health expert for Johnson County as, uh, as she is needed. She now has a private practice uh, where she engages in helping families work through very critical issues. But the most important thing I want to say about Kim is that she is a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, she has been on terms. You can welcome Kim. And something for you need to know, a really important thing to know about Kim is that several years ago, we had to go through the articles of incorporation of Pathway with the state of Texas. We had to make this, and so we had to have someone to be the president of the corporation. She's the president of the corporation. It couldn't be a, it couldn't be a staff person, so El Presidente, we, yeah, uh, in name only, I think. Yeah, just, just don't do that tweeting stuff and we'll be okay, all right? Okay, we'll be okay. All right, okay, all right. Okay, so, so this is, this is, and Cam's been on session a couple of years, uh, a couple of terms here, and she's a part of the life of this church. Now, before we get any further, last week we laid a foundation, and we talked about love. And we laid a foundation, the difference between human love and God's love. You remember that? Human love seeks value in what is loved. 
God love creates value, even in what other people don't love. God's love creates it in people that are broken, people that are messed up. And families who get healthy learn how to do that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning in very practical, real ways. But again, a biblical foundation for boundaries, for some of you to make sure you understand the Scripture. This thing that we call God's Word, hopefully that you're reading 10 to 15 minutes every day, is all about boundaries. In the opening chapters of Genesis, God creates this beautiful garden. And he says, I'm going to set up some boundaries. You have a boundary called your home, your property. You have a property line. That is the boundary for your family. God says, I give you this garden. You can enjoy it. It's yours to enjoy. Have at it. I'm going to give you the skills and the ability and spiritual gifts to take care of it. But... For your protection, do not step outside of this boundary and eat of that tree. Just a simple boundary. Because if you do, all hell is going to break loose, not just in you, but in the people around you. And that's what happens in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve step outside the boundary, the protection that God had for them. And, And boundaries were always for your protection, not for your punishment. Let me repeat that. God gives us boundaries, not for punishment, but for protection. And when you and I step outside of that boundary, the Lord's Prayer has a little part of the prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who, what? Trespass against us. So when someone gets on our property and they're not welcome, they are a trespasser, right? So when somebody crosses the boundaries into our life, they are trespassing, and we do the same thing to other people. So we're going to talk about this boundary thing a little bit, what the Bible lays out. It's very practical ways that I hope can help you in your families and in your relationship to get better. Because when we violate boundaries, again, I want to say it, eventually all hell is going to break loose in a relationship. It just does. So, Kim. Help us expand our understanding of what boundaries are in the world in which you work and function, okay? So in the world of mental health, the boundaries are the lines we draw in the sand, similar to how Rick described, but they can be in different ways. For example, material boundaries. Um, Am I going to loan someone money? Am I going to loan someone my car? That's a boundary. Uh, Another boundary can be physical boundaries. Do I want to give someone a hug or a handshake? Those are physical boundaries. Uh, We can have emotional boundaries. Am I going to confide in this person or not? Uh, We can have psychological boundaries. We can have spiritual boundaries. So those are the lines that we draw around ourselves. And it's about self-knowledge and knowing ourselves. Okay. Before I have you expound on this, I want to say something to the the teenagers, especially right here, all, all the teenagers in the house. Your skin is a boundary that God has given you that nobody, nobody, no other boy, no girl, they they, they can't break the boundary of that skin. They can't touch you if you don't want them to because that's your skin. And it's very important, especially young ladies, that you learn the ability to say no, back off. I don't want the hug. I don't want that because you're setting yourself up for trouble. And this happens so often when in the home as children, 
we parents don't teach our kids about how to receive healthy and unhealthy hugs and to recognize them about that skin. Your skin is a very important boundary line that you have control over to allow or not allow people to touch it or to embrace it. We want to make sure we're clear on that. Okay, so would you kind of help us understand some of these, these layers of boundaries a little sure. bit better? Sure. So uh, Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits book back in 89 uh, developed a concept that has been expanded upon. And it talks about our, our areas of control. And so the first one is the circle of control. And I think we have a visual that we can put up. Can you put that visual up there with the circles, please? So the circle of control that middle circle, the blue, I think it's blue. So that is, that is me. That is you. That is my words, my thoughts, my actions, my beliefs. It's the thing that I fully control. And that's really all I can control, by the way. I can't really control anything. Can you list those things again? Yeah. So thoughts, words, behaviors, decisions attitudes, my mood, how I use my time, who I vote for. Those are all mine. Those are my boundaries. They don't belong to anyone else. The next circle out is our circle of influence. And that's different for each of us. But that can be uh, things like where I work and how I do my job. It can be what other people think of me my reputation. It can be how my kids are doing in school. I have influence, but I don't have control. And that outer circle is the circle of concern. And the circle of concern is probably where I see that sometimes we can get pretty confused. The circle of concern are things that are beyond our direct control most of the time. Things like the weather or getting caught in a traffic jam or somebody cuts us off on the highway. Uh, it can be other things like getting really wrapped up in uh, politics or getting really wrapped up in social media or getting really wrapped up in uh, how a football game. What do you mean wrapped up? Expand on wrapped up. Letting our energy. So, so say I, I have 100 points of energy in the morning. If I'm going to spend 80 points of energy on a football game, that, those points are gone. I don't have them to give to my kids or my husband or my job or my friends because I spent them on something that will not give me any return that you don't investment. have control over right and I can't control it I can't control how that went okay all right okay so this little blue circle right there that blue circle is me and it's you yes. could you put that up on the screen one more time please that okay that blue circle that's each one of us God created that blue circle is how God created you and you have control over your thoughts how you feel and what you do with those thoughts and those feelings and I want you to hear this. This is a very important concept. God in the scripture has given you free will. And that free will you have is over your kingdom and your kingdom only. And the problems in families get when you try to rule over somebody else's kingdom. This is your little kingdom. Your life, your mind, your thoughts, your, your actions, your choices that you make. And this is where families get all been out of shape and all messed up. 
when you broach the boundary of somebody else and take charge of their kingdom. Okay? This is all you have control over. So let me give you three words, three critical biblical words about boundaries. Number one, it's about self-control. The Bible teaches to have self-control, not control of others. And that's what a lot of us want to do. We want to be in control of the whole family, the whole dynamic. And And when you do that, it creates friction and conflict. Number two is responsibility. In families where there is chaos in a relationship, someone is not taking responsibility for their life, for their thoughts, for their emotions, or their behaviors. And when you don't take, like my neighbor, if I have a neighbor that doesn't take responsibility for the the leaves in their yard, they blow into my yard, I went up having to owning the problem. That is a boundary violation when you have to own somebody else's problem because they're not taking care of their business. And in a family, when you don't take care of yourself, the rest of the family suffers dysfunction. And the third word is freedom. It's self-control, responsibility, and freedom. The scripture says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. And you are free to operate your free will within that circle of all you have. But when you step into somebody else's free will and you say, you should, you need to, blah, you're, you're just setting yourself up for chaos in the family. And it goes against everything that God has in his word about relationships. Have you understand that? That's important. You only have one kingdom. And the only way that kingdom works is when you submit to his kingdom. You say, God, not my will, your will be done. And when you submit your kingdom to his kingdom, under his rule, then things get good in everybody around you, okay? But you can't submit somebody else's kingdom, only yours. So, how, now I know we have nobody here in this church that has boundary issues. Nobody. Nor do I. Not a single family. There's not a single marriage, not a single parenting, not a single in-law situation. So, but if they did, if they did, how would they know they have boundary issues in their lives? How would they know? So we all do have different boundary issues, but if, if there is one going on in your family or in your life that's of significance, you're going to notice some things. One would be if someone in the family has depression or, or sadness that you're pretty concerned about or that seems to be of concern. When a person has depression, what can be happening is that they're feeling like what they believe doesn't matter, what they say doesn't matter, what they think doesn't matter. Possibly there's been some kind of put down. Now, not always, of course. There are other reasons for depression. But in a family system, that would be something I'd be looking at. And so we want to be really careful, going back to that blue circle, of how am I relating to people in my family? Am I, am I being kind? Am I using kind language? Um, one of the things that we have always want to be mindful of is avoiding any kind of cruel words, uh, any kind of name-calling. Uh, any kind of hurtful language, particularly to our children, but to anyone. We need to remember that. Those words, those words really matter. So depression would be one thing. Another one would be anxiety. Anxiety, I see a lot of that uh, in, our, in, in the clients who come to see me. And anxiety can take on lots of forms. And I, we've all had times of anxiety. And we all, we all know what that feels like. But if somebody comes in and they have 
performance anxiety, I would say that's probably one of the biggest ones. And that's where somebody feels like they need to be perfect all the time. And so there's this pressure to be the perfect student, the perfect worker, the perfect uh, wife or husband. The perfect athlete. Yes, the perfect <laughs> athlete. And, and, and as an aside to your point, um, sometimes we parents need to really be careful about this. Because uh, we pressure our kids, we look at our kids, and, and we think they're going to be professional athletes, uh, starting at t-ball and uh, soccer when their shin guards are this tall. And we, we think they're going to be the next professional. And, uh, and so we're like, run, run, run. I mean, I say this all the time. Uh, they didn't put in enough. They need to practice more. They're five. Like, really? <laughs> And so, and so that's really, so I need, so if I were to do that, I need to look at myself and say, what am I, what is my goal here? Uh, is my goal to build a relationship? Is my goal, uh, if I think I'm making a better athlete, I'm not, by the way. Or student, uh, all, gra- all grades. I had one person who said that she called her dad, I made a 95. You know, she was in college and he said, what'd you get wrong? Uh, you want to talk about somebody who was really hurt. And that was a pattern of behavior. So anxiety would be another one. Uh, addictions, compulsions, those kind of uh, behaviors, that can be rooted. There, that's very complicated and, and for another day as far as the deep dive into that. But one thing we know about people who are in addiction is sometimes they can't sit in uncomfortable feelings for very long. And so they look for something to distract them from that uncomfortable emotion, whether that's food or drugs or alcohol, um, social media. People just spend hours and hours and hours on social media. Anything to distract. And so that's all time that we're not in relationship or we're hurting a relationship. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about a family or a marriage or whatever, and someone is not complying with what they want them to do. How does that boundary violation kind of, what's the way that it kind of comes up? So if it's with a child, if we have, if I have, as if I'm a parent and I've set a boundary with my child, if the child disobeys the rule that I've set up for things like safety or following the rules of the house, that child has violated my boundary. I have boundaries as a parent. Children have boundaries as well. And so then we, what we want to do is set them up to experience the consequences of what their behavior was so that they can learn from it. One thing that I've come to believe, I've worked with adolescents for many years, and one of the things I've come to believe is that, this is kind of like my, the way I look at it, from, from birth to age 10, we want our children to know they are loved, that they have a home. That's when that brain is really developing. All those, like that, all that intuitive feeling of love. That's all happening early in life. But at about age 10, 11, 12, until adulthood, we need to teach them how to live in the world without us. Step by step by step. Progressively. So we let them do more and more and more on their own. And we let go. So when your children are small... They're in, the, they're in your blue circle. You have control over them. But the goal is, as they age, 
for them to move into the circle of influence where you're influencing them, not controlling them. Is that what you're saying? Sort of. So, so if they're, when they're young, we have much more control and we have more responsibility for safety, right? right? So we want to make sure that they're safe. But at the same time, I'm not going to get into an argument. I spent uh, many hours, and my husband's here, he can attest to this, trying to get my daughter to wear dresses in kindergarten. I mean, like you would have thought it was the biggest deal ever. And she wanted to wear her denim shorts, her white t-shirt, and her khaki vest every day. So I really, really spent a lot of time arguing with her and looking at longingly in the closet at all the dresses that, that I had bought. And finally, I thought, like, we were, re I was really making this a deal, and I thought, why, why? So what I did do is I, met, I made an appointment with the first grade teacher to say that she did have more clothes, because I felt like I needed someone so to So you were feeling threatened about <laughs> you, your identity. The kids did not care what she had on. I cared that she wasn't wearing this closet full of dresses. So kids, she's in my circle of control when she's five and six, but she still has a mind of her own. Mm. She still has her own opinions. Mm. Mm. So we, we pick our battles. We pick, what am I going to spend time on? Do I want to build this relationship or do I want to destroy it? And so save your discipline for the big stuff. Safety. Okay. Let's just talk about the, the, the power and the wonderful beauty of nagging. That's a really effective way it to get is. someone to. Can, can, we, can we talk about how that? <laughs> I'm sure none of us in here have ever done that. I certainly haven't. Uh, yeah. So nagging is, uh, nagging, first of all, it does not work, number one. So when, when, I, when we use the word nagging, what, I, what comes to my mind is reminding, reminding, reminding over the same thing. Or someone has a character flaw and we repeat it, we, we bring it to their attention as often as possible because that's so helpful. Um, nagging does not work. The nagger can become bitter and resentful and angry because the other person becomes increasingly hard of hearing. Like, the more I say the same thing, the less they seem to hear me. Huh, so who's got the problem? I've got the problem. The person who's being nagged is going to go one of two ways. Either they're going to become more resentful, which happens a lot. They may be quiet about it, but believe me, it's there, stewing. Or they're going to just distance. And so they're building up a wall against me. So I violated their boundary. So nagging is a boundary violation. Okay. That's a, it's, a, it's a big it's boundary. It's a big one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I see this all the way in... I see this all the time in two ways. One is I see parents saying, you need to do your homework. You, I mean, just press, you got to get your room clean. You need, you need, you need. And they go, no, I don't need to. The only thing I need is for you to shut up, right? <laughs> Can we be honest, parents? That's what they're, that, I'll tell you, that's what they're thinking. The only thing I need is this psycho parent just to close their mouth. They don't need to clean their room at all. So how do you respond to again? You're violating their boundary when you. T so how do you do that? How do you do it in a healthy way? Uh, I, so I had this parent. We talked about it, and here's what she said. Instead of saying you need to do this, say, hey, listen, uh, you can do this in marriage too. Hey, the family, we're going out to eat tonight. I'm buying. You just get to come and eat, and uh, everybody who does their chores gets to go. Now, if you don't do your chores, 
Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to call Celia. You know the child care nursery person from hell that you hate? <laughs> she's available this Friday night. And she's going to come stay with you. And we're going to go have a good time. So you have the choice of staying home with her or taking care of your room and coming with us. But you can do which one you want. All of a sudden, that kid has a need to clean his room. Why? Because you established a boundary and gave them freedom to make the choice instead of, you need, it never works. I'm telling your parents, it never works. You need, you should, it never, ever works. The other thing I see is that people say, you need to go see Pastor Rick. You, hey, hey you need, you, and Pastor Rick, my son, my daughter needs to go see you. They need, to, and they come to me and say, why are you here? All my parents said I need to come. I said, do you need to be here? No. Nope. <laughs> why are you here? Because they said I had to come. So we talk about the weather and sports and all sorts of things, what they're doing in school. And then they leave us. How are you doing? Great. We have a great conversation. You know who needed to come see me? The parent. Because the parent has the problem. And until you learn how to give your kids problems so they experience the consequence, you're owning the problem. And when you own it, that's dysfunction. That's chaos. Yeah. And we're not setting our kids up for success. So let's go, let's go forward and talk now a little bit. Let's get some examples of how this, this thing really plays out in, in households and families and how we see it and the whole anger issue and everything too. So let's talk about some examples of a marriage, okay, where boundary issues just really come into play of not respecting that circle. So sometimes we'll see in marriage in marriages where one spouse will be very locked into a role. For example, a husband and wife where the husband is really locked into his role as being the spouse and he takes care of all the bills and he he's a he's the provider and he's doing all these uh, providing kinds of things, but really not talking to his wife at all. So she gets locked into her her more passive role, a more passive role. And what she will do is not much. She'll clean the house and she might cook, but she doesn't have a clue what's going on, uh, say, with finances, say, with how to take care of things that need to be done. What can happen is that as these two people get really locked in and there's not good communication going on, the boundary, it's not a fence. It's a, it's a six-foot-deep wall between them. It's not building a relationship. It's not that equally yoked kind of marriage. It's where people are locked into roles and we have to be really careful. That also can happen with parent-child relationships as well. But you're saying in a marriage where there's not shared roles, like now this is our yard. We all take care of the yard, not just, it's okay to have roles. Absolutely. It's okay, but to not know how to do things, cross-training, cross so to speak, in the marriage. Right. So we will have people, people who will come to me recently widowed and, and literally will not know anything. They're not, they're, they've not been provided any kind of knowledge on uh, even how to, what, what to do next. Where the money is. Where the money is. Where the bank is. Um, I, I have, and I was laughing, telling this, well, it's not funny, um, when somebody, somebody hasn't learned how to drive. When a 40-year-old client comes because his mommy drove him, that happens. And the mom allowed it to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
So, and that's part of that not letting go, not, not knowing when it's time to let go. Okay. Let's talk about the phone, the cell phone, how the cell phone impacts boundaries for good or for ill. So mostly for ill in my book uh, and a lot of, when it comes to boundaries. Uh, the cell phone, and I've done this talk a lot, um, I hold it up and I'll say, this will never love you back. A phone doesn't love us, but we sure love our phones. And what I see is children craving eye contact, which is critical to brain development. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not needy. They need eye contact. They need touch. And what I see over and over, even feed, bottle feeding a baby or breastfeeding a baby, and the mom is looking at her phone. So there is the baby looking up for eye contact, which he or she needs desperately to develop the bright brain. I mean, if you want your baby to have a developed right brain, you might want to look into his or her eyes. But instead, they're looking at their Instagram. Put down the phone. Put it down. Children need eye contact, a lot of it. Those mirror neurons, like when we're together now and we're looking into each other's eyes, my oxytocin is going off. So is yours. That's, that's how we know we belong. We have a place on this earth. When we look at the phone, we are not doing that. So it's very destructive. The same thing, spending hours and hours, that is not, bound, that is not a healthy boundary. We should, if, if we need to look, and I love social media. I mean, I love it, but look, we need to limit that. 30 minutes in the morning, maybe 30 minutes in the evening, and we can tell our kids that, or whatever it is, 15 minutes. It doesn't matter. Um, it should not be like every time, right? Every, if, if me and Ralph are driving down the road and I'm looking at my Facebook, I have just let 50 people into my car. Hmm. How am I going to have a conversation with my husband? I've allowed the whole world, people I don't even know, people I haven't seen since I was eight years old, I'm letting them into my car with me and not talking to the person who I have a covenant marriage with? Mm -mm. It's not good. So we need, that's a boundary, big time boundary violation. And it's our job. It's here. It's here to stay. So we've got to figure out our boundaries. Okay. Let's talk some more about some real ways that the parent, parent violates the boundaries of their students, whether, but let's start with students, then we'll get older parents with, old, with adult children, okay? okay? So one thing that parents do that is uh, very destructive is doing things like partying with their kids. And if you take a little gasp, I want you to know it happens a lot. So I've worked with many kids whose parents get high with them. So what will happen will be on Friday night, we'll just make this an example. On Friday night, mom gets high with her son or, or says, oh, you can drink. You're at home. You can drink with me. Okay. So Friday night, you have this friendly relationship going. You have, you're now flat, you have now flattened the relationship. Then Saturday morning, you need to clean your room. You need to do your chores. You need to get a job. You need to do your work. Okay, well, hey, Mom, you, last night you were my friend, and today you're trying to be my, my mom. It doesn't work. It's extremely confusing to children. That is a boundary violation by the parent. And shame on us if we then are complaining about our kids who don't respect us. Mm. Who did that? We did that. Every time we flatten that relationship, it's on us. 
Okay, so let's move it up in age. I'm a parent with adult children. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm an adult. My kids are moving toward being adulthood. Give some boundary violation awareness how that happens. So okay. that can happen with uh, things like when we are telling our kids what we think they need to do. And they're grown-ups. Like, they're out of the house. They're self-sufficient. They live on their own. And we're telling them what the, we think they need to do. Like, they don't need our advice. Now, if, if we have this open, great open relationship and they ask our advice, absolutely. We can have a conversation just like I would with any friend. But I don't need to be telling my kids what they need to do. I need to be taking care of myself. Yeah, you know, my dad is, was a licensed clinical, all sorts yes. of different things. I can't remember all the titles. I remember my dad, even to this day, he would say, Rick, can I give you some information? <laughs> that was a sign he had seen something he needs to tell me about. But I'm an adult now. I'm, and so he asked me. And when he invites, he's not crossing the boundary. He's saying, can I, come, can I cross the boundary and tell you something you need to know? I would just suggest you that might be a great phrase parents of adults if you want to give them information you ask before you barge in and crash in and tumble their little kingdom down it's very respectful to treat someone that way that's how i would want to be treated um it's it's the way we all should be treating each other is can i are you interested in hearing my experience about that if i have some wisdom to share i can do that but if they say no i also there's my circle again i need to be able to hear the no without getting all hurt and becoming a martyr and becoming passive aggressive. Okay, let's do two things here before we wrap up. One is I want to talk about anger, about how anger, the, the use of anger, and how that kind of destroys boundaries and how to manage anger. Uh, and then secondly, let's talk about in-laws for a second, okay? Okay? <laughs> Those are just... Oh, the- I heard the rumble. <laughs> oh, I heard the rumble. Okay, let's, let's talk about anger for a second. So... <laughs> Uh, Anger is an emotion just like any other emotion, just like joy, just like sorrow. It's just, it is. Uh, Jesus felt anger. I mean, anger is a feeling. It's valid. It's important. However, it's in how we manage our anger that we can hurt other people and we can cross into their boundaries and we can really do damage. So anger needs to be, first of all, in my blue circle. If I'm feeling angry, I need to do some self-examination about why. If somebody has crossed my boundary and I have anger, I can go and talk to them. I mean, this is biblical stuff. We all know that. But holding it in, exploding, abusing, using abusive language, it is very hurtful to our family members, whether it's our parents, whether it's our spouses, our children. It's very destructive. Kim, what if I say, Kim, you're making me so mad. Kim, you just make me so mad. Yeah. What, 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 what? I can't make you anything. Right. No, we, nobody can make me mad except me. So I've given somebody control Absolutely. over me, power have, right. over me if I say you make right. me. Yeah, I forfeit. So if I say you make me mad, what I have done is I have taken my mood, my emotion, and I have handed it on a silver platter to someone to else. Yeah. I, so, so I'm surrendering. Now, that does not mean that somebody can yell at me. I mean, I may feel angry because, by, by someone else's tone. I mean, we're not robots, right? We're in relationships. But let's own our emotion. I'm angry because you yelled at me. That would be different. The Bible says in Proverbs, 
an angry person is like a city without walls. That when you just handle everything with anger, you have no walls, you have no boundaries, and you're vulnerable, and it just creates chaos in the real because you're just angry all the time. That's a big thing. It also says in James, the anger of a human does not bring about the righteousness of God. Whew. And yet you just want to be so angry. It's your right to be angry, and it's just doing nothing but causing. Shh. Okay, here's the last thing. Let's talk about in-laws. Let's talk about ways and that mother, that in, I didn't say mother-in-laws. I didn't say that. <laughs> Erase that off the recording, please. Back that up. In-laws can be break boundaries. How does that happen? Right. So in-laws can break boundaries just like all of us can. But the way, the unique way that in-laws can break boundaries and, and something for us to be mindful of if we are an in-law is one thing would be uh, coming over, showing up unannounced. So we need to remember that when our child has married, our child has now entered into a covenant relationship. They are now one with someone else. That's not our little baby anymore. I mean, we may think that, but it's not true. They are now a grown-up in a covenant relationship. So just like I wouldn't drive over to anybody else's house in this room unannounced and just knock on the door, I shouldn't go to my kid's house unannounced. Another thing would be giving unwanted advice, on, especially on child-rearing. Probably not, so, not going to be really welcomed. Like, uh, you need to... Uh, well, when I was your age, we wouldn't have let our kid. These are the kinds of things that parents say to their kids. And it's very condescending and very mm. critical. Now, if you're concerned, if you have genuine concerns about what's happening, two adults can sit down and talk. But talk to, we need to talk to our adult children like they're adult children. Ask questions. Ask questions, yes. And... I guess a couple of other things, gossiping. So, we, so if I'm gossiping to my child about their spouse, that's creating a triangle that's very unhealthy, and it's also not respecting that covenant relationship. We should not be trying to suck our child into some kind of du duality with me. That's, they're married. They're married. Okay, if the in-laws are violating the marriage, they're bre breaking the boundaries of the relationship, how does the couple respond to the in-laws? How does that work? So it's the responsibility of the married couple to get on the same page. So if, if my, if my in-laws were violating my boundaries, my husband and I need to talk. And it needs to be us as a team, us as the unit. And we together can talk to the parents or we together can set whatever limits we need to. But Ralph's a mama's boy. Hey, you don't talk about my mama. My mom, <laughs> she's a mama. I'm a mama's boy. My, my, mom, my mama's not doing anything wrong. So I need to take care of myself. That's what's going to happen there, right? So if, if somebody, because my, my boundary has been violated. If my husband has left, is disregarding the sanctity of our marriage to have this relationship with his mother, He's violated my boundary. And so I'm going to do self-care things, and it will, be, it will depend on my family and my situation and, I, it, and, and what's happening. If it's something I can tolerate, I may grip my teeth. Maybe I don't go over as much. I mean, there are a, an array of options, but we need to know that that's, 
that's very destructive to a marriage for somebody to violate that by going to the parent. Okay. We're, 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 we're kind of out of time here. We kind of need to bring this to a close. Does, does anybody feel like, besides me, feel like they live in a dysfunctional family now for sure? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you may have broken any boundaries in their relationships with their kids and their family tree and everything like that kind of crazy. Uh, can, can, I, can I give you a wrap up with a little bit of hope? First of all, can we, can we thank Kim for being here? Thank Kim for her expertise. Yeah. So let me give you a little hope. When God created us, he said, you're my kids. And we're all in the family of Adam and Eve, so we're all dysfunctional because they were dysfunctional, and we all are. And God has these standards of expectations, and none of us can meet them. None of us can. And Christianity is the only faith where it says that the one who meets the standards, the only one is God. He left heaven and he comes to earth, and he comes to be right in the middle of your family, right in the middle of your mess. And he says, I'll help you get healthy. I'm going to love you just the way. There's nothing you can do, the Bible says, nothing that you can do. You can't, st- you can't trespass against any of my boundaries that I will not still love you. I love you, 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 I love you. You're dysfunctional, and I love you. You keep doing stupid stuff, and I love you. And when your family, listen, when your family learns how to have dysfunctional people in the family like God does, and you still love them, without lowering your standard of maturity and how you handle yourself, And not acting like that jackass like we talked about last week. You know you're on the way to setting healthy, God-honoring boundaries. Because healthy families live by healthy, God-honoring boundaries. And how we treat one another, not based on how they treat us. Because that's how God loves us. We turn our back on him all the time. And he says, I just love you, but I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you power to set boundaries. So could we have some honest conversations in our families? Talking about how to love each other well. Creating value in people that you may feel like are just pretty messed up. Because that's what God does for us through Jesus. Thank goodness that's what God does for us through Jesus. So, Kim, I'm going, to ask you, I'm going to ask you to pray for us. Would you pray over this, everybody here? And um, we're going to do this again in two weeks, right? right. Okay, okay, let's just do this right here. God, we come before you today as broken people who are loved so much by you, completely and utterly by you. And yet we struggle with our own families and friends Help us to know that your unconditional love is the model that we can take Mm. into all of our relationships. Guide us. Let us have your words coming out of our mouths. Help us to love our families well. Help us to admit when we're wrong. Help us to be humble. Help us to be receptive. Help us to know ourselves. We thank you for this gathering. We thank you for all that you 
did for us by sending your son to this earth to be a model of perfect boundaries. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Kim, will you be out in the crossing for those that are in the house? No therapy sessions, but right. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week, church. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.